This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Everyone, welcome to the Survival Show podcast. I'm David, your host for today's show, where it's our job to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any situation, including jungles in Portland, Oregon, with my co hosts, guest co hosts today, Bryce from Condor Knife and Tool. I, nope. Oh, I got it messed Different, up. Yeah. Okay, you guys introduce your own selves. Well, if you there's a C, a K, and a T if you acronym everything <laughs> in both of them, so it gets like super uh, crazy anyway. Go, go so for Bryce, it, Bryce. Bryce, tell us, who are you and why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bryce. I'm from CRKT, or Columbia River Knife and Tool. Uh, I'm a sales manager there and just kind of a general knife geek. I collected knives for... Since I was a kid, oh, you really got them. into it though around 2012. Nice. You know when the YouTube scene came on. Yeah, yeah. You, you started listening to Nut and Fancy talk for 15 minutes about one knife, and you're like, "Whoa, there's way more to this than I ever thought." Yeah. And so that really like sparked it into the the higher end stuff. But uh, and I found out just here, uh, bright. Besides being a generally responsible human being and a great guy, and uh, great at his job, he's an ultralight backpacker. He likes oh, cool. white, whitewater rafting and junk like that. So maybe we'll talk awesome. about it a little bit. Yeah. And you, who are you? I know, I, I know you're loved by millions, but who are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, scorned. Um, uh, Joe Flowers. Um, I am one of the designers at Condor Tool and Knife. Um, also designed for Tops Knives, Artisan, uh, CGRB, and a couple other knife companies too. And uh, I'm also just a, a knife, uh, a knife nut like Bryce, who got lucky and gets to work with knives as a profession. So yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, kind of me too. And I yeah. also do Bushcraft Global in the Jungle, too, oh, which just, you've been on. Just yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Little backstory, Bryce. Just go ahead and fire away. Like, tell us. Uh, like, you can start at like. Kindergarten. When was when was the first time you cut yourself with a knife? <laughs> <laughs> All that sort of stuff. Actually, the good, I actually do have a good story. Of the first time I cut myself, it was my first backpacking trip. My dad was going to take me out there. My mom's always super squeamish about anything edged or weapons, and she kind of gave up on that after I started chewing my peanut butter sandwiches into guns. So <laughs> she kind of gave up after that. I remember the first time he gave me like a little Victorinox SD. He's like, "All right, this is what you're going to do." And you know, you see that your dad do that thing where he kind of checks the sharpness with his thumb. Yeah. So my first thing was just go oh. and just unzip my finger which really really got my mom happy there but uh that was kind of my first experience and then it was just kind of a collection of you know like random knives you know just like little things here and there yeah that kind of you just cherish though just like this one knife that's like oh, so cool what's what's your favorite one i mean don't you don't have to pick your babies but let's say um can be can be sierra katie or any 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 knife company what's one of your like most sentimental yeah. knives what's your most sentimental knife my first like real good knife was the 940 from benchmates that's oh, what okay. i kind of got that first time nothing fancy again that's kind of yeah. what i was watching at the time and i still love that knife it's near and dear to my heart is that osborne <laughs> yeah that design osborne design. yeah it's one a the, legendary design one of the best designs ever yeah you know? and, and, and specifically with crkt you know i carry a m16 
13T, which is a mm-hmm. uh, it's an outdated model at this time, but with the titanium frame, yeah, I really like, it. and that's what I lusted after for CRKT. It's a big M16, 14 DSFG, yeah, vesserations. It's got cross, you know, cross guard. All that stuff was super cool before I came on to CRKT, but. Man, is it fun to get on there and meet all the designers? Yeah, yeah, you guys have a ton of designers over at CRKT. Yeah, so tell, maybe tell everybody, all of our listeners, like CRKT's model, I think, is absolutely, not only from a marketing perspective, but from a giving back perspective, because you have, you have uh, veterans, you know, yeah. you've really enabled veterans to pick up the craft and, and be able to do sustainable, uh, you know, sustain themselves through, through crafts and, you know, it's therapeutic too, but tell us a little bit about CRKT, their mission, yeah, and uh, how they how they go how they approach business and knife making. Yeah, so we have a long list of designers that work with us, and we take their customs and turn them into production models. So we take a Ken Onion knife that, if you can even get access to it, retails for thousands <laughs> and thousands yeah. of dollars. Uh, but you can get a you can get it for a decent price, and um, that's what's really amazing. You have that kind of heart and soul behind all our products. It's not just designing CAD or something like that. They've really worked on these. These people hammer steel. They, mm-hmm. they have so much knowledge. That's another thing that's, that's really humbling coming here and getting to talk to some of these guys and gals because you think you know knives, but you start talking to Ken Onion. Oh, gosh, yeah. And you're just lost, and it's, it's awesome. It's such an amazing learning experience. And if you would have told me back when I was, like, slinging, like, uh, blurs at Sports Chalet that I was going to get a hangout with Ken Onion, I'd be like, ah, you're blowing smoke, man. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the, the same thing. Like, I never thought I'd be able to, like, to uh, hang out with some of these legends that, like, I've been looking at in Tactical Knives magazine since a kid and, and stuff like that, too. So it's, like, very, you know, knife-centric for, for us being knife people. But, David, you're a knife guy, too. You've got a MSK out. And uh, a lot of various manufacturers there. So, you know, we're still here because we like cutting stuff with knives. Right. Everybody loves knives, really. Yeah. I mean, from kitchen knives. Kitchen knives are big. Yeah, they're huge now this we year, We should too. design a kitchen knife. Yeah. There's a lot of business um, with kitchen knives right now because, you know, in, in some of the other countries are able to do a lot more steel variations and, mm. and do mm-hmm. more fancy stuff that was pretty cost prohibitive back in the day. Yeah. I don't know what that stuff is. It's just like metal that looks metally to me. But. So, so Bryce, how did you end up at CRKT? Um, I was selling power tools before this, and I really wanted to get back into the outdoor world. Kind of use those things that you're power interested. Power tools? What kind of power tools? I was selling Milwaukee power tools. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, so nice. I was a rep for them for right. a number of years. and then, uh, But I really wanted to get back in the outdoor industry. Before that, I was a manager at Sports Chalet. It's now defunct, oh, cool. but it was on the West Coast. It was like a sporting goods store. Really cool. Met a lot of my cool friends there. Um, but really, I wanted to get back into something that I had like a little bit closer to like what I like to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was a really good opportunity. I got to come on and design the trade shows and do a lot of that work. But kind of worked our way up and it was really fun really fun to get into crkt and and use something that's like uh something i've been kind of working on my whole life you know you yeah that skill you're building on and building those stories and all that so and, i mean you've seen a backpackers a lot you know will carry crkts a ton of times yeah. and you know you'll see it in their pocket as their only knife so now you're part of that company i know it's kind of crazy yeah yeah it's a that lot is really cool a lot of fun joe how about you how about some backstory um take your time we got yeah time. i i uh was into reptiles and knives <laughs> way too much when i was a kid watch crocodile dundee way too much and um uh and now uh, you are yeah and now you know now well, no not really because he's much funnier um but like uh as a kid you know i went to the um uh, one of the NRA shows, uh, and um, I had been reading Tactical Knives, and I was like 14 years old, um, like at this time, in, or 12 or 14 or something like that, and I met the editor, Stephen Dick, of Tactical Knives Magazine, and was talking to him, and uh, uh, was just like blown away. That was like my first celebrity I met, um, to me, 
And uh, uh, later on, you know, um, uh, Terrell Hoffman of um, uh, Practice What You Preach, he's a knife writer and a gun writer, um, introduced me to Stephen, and I was like, yeah, I met you when I was a little kid, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, you're, you're in college. Can you write whole sentences? I'm like, sometimes. And so <laughs> uh, I, started, I started writing for Tactical Knives magazine, mm. and, then, and mm. then the writing stuff kind of picked mm. up. I actually wrote for Backpacker magazine oh. for a while, too. Um, and, and a bunch of different print magazines, and then uh, uh, um, has always been a machete nut my entire life. Um, and uh, Terrell introduced me to Imakasa, who I already knew, and I was rattling off their um, model numbers of their Imakasa machetes. You're like, yeah, how, does a, how does an American know this too much? I'm like, because I'm crazy about machetes. And then so they started um, designing with them in, in tops right around the same time. And uh, yeah, it's been going that way ever since. And then Tops helped me start Bushcraft Global because I like knives and I like reptiles. And where do you find that a lot? In the jungle. And so in South America, Central America, they get around there and you can play with knives and play with animals and uh, yeah, have a really good time. Nice. So have you ever had a day job? Like Yeah, yeah, all, all the time. Okay. Have you ever worked for anybody else? Yeah. I okay. used to, uh, like, I worked for the um, Department of Entomology for NC State University. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. As a, um, I was a field technician beekeeper. Yep. Um, so I do a lot of genetic work with uh, bees and stuff. And then I worked for a biotechnology company for a little while. And then um, I started writing um, full time and then teaching martial arts um, oh, on right. the side for a dojo. But um, now the design work has become. Um, pretty much full-time, and the, and the Bushcraft Global stuff has come full-time job. So it's kind of plumed up. But it's not that, it's not that easy to, unless you're Ken Onion, uh, to uh, um, like just have a full-time job designing. That's like you have to do a lot of work for that. Um, so there's promoting, marketing, and things like that that you have to help with as well. So our listeners who aren't into like um, the greatest designers in the world and stuff. Mm -hmm. Just talk, talk a little bit about Ken Onion. Well, his best, he's uh, really good friends with Aerosmith. And uh, <laughs> one, one time at SHOT Show, I look over and Ken in the booth, uh, Ken is in the booth and Steve, and, uh, Steven Tyler, that's his name, right? Yeah, was in our booth during SHOT Show. So I got to meet him and he really wanted the Condor machete prototype. And I was like, oh, he can't have that. It's the only prototype. And Steven Tyler was like, come on, man. I was like, no, I have something Steven Tyler can't have. <laughs> But anyway, Ken Onion, you yeah. probably know a lot more about um, his background and stuff from Hawaii, right? Yeah, he lives out in Hawaii. He was the youngest inductee into the Knife Hall of Fame in America, which wow. is a huge, uh, hmm. huge um, uh, honor to do so. And he really worked with a lot of those earlier uh, knife American knife makers, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Bob Loveless, A.G. Russell, yeah. all these guys who really formed and created a lot of the things that we just take for granted. You know, right. Kit Carson creating the flipper, correct? You know, yeah, stuff like that is really obviously hmm. we just kind of take it as like, oh yeah, that's. Yeah, Take Chris Reeves' uh, liner lock change up and things, you know? Totally. So you get to see that kind of history and go back into, like, the, the real, like, production idea and where we are now and see where mm -hmm. we are in a history. Because we're in such a fun time for knives now. There's so yeah. many brands, so many different ways, and knives are fun, too. It's a lot, a lot less... Uh, utilitarian than it used to be you can have fun with knives and cool designs and yeah but uh yeah ken's a ken's a legend in the industry he's made some of the best knives i mean i'm sure everybody's familiar with the, the onion series over at kershaw and his blur and a lot of the work he's done with us some of the new stuff he's had coming out it's really cool we got some new facets coming out um 
a lot of really cool candy. And we started actually working with his son, too. Oh, cool. We had a first knife with Kenny Onions. So oh, he came wow. Out. Okay. Yeah, we got the bamboozle. That was his first knife. So really cool. Kind of expanding the onion world and really training the next generation. Yeah. He's got yeah. people like Jeff Park working underneath him. Excellent. Kind of picking up on that information. And that's really cool. Yeah. Real honor to work with Ken. Yeah. Like, Ken's been, I think, making designs since the 80s, like for companies or yeah. something along that line. Yeah. Um, in like the late '80s, and you see his um, his products everywhere, and he's just such a a treasure to to the knife world as far as design work. Just some incredible designs, but he's also really nice to talk to. Yeah, he's the nicest guy, and he also mm -hmm. he invented like the assisted opening knife. Mm -hmm. So he read the laws, he found a circumnavigation to get around uh, automatic live or yeah. knife laws. And uh, yeah, and that, the rest is history. And sometimes that's lost on us. So it's fun to yeah. trace mm. back into the history books and see where that it all started. The foundation is super, yeah. you know, important in, in the knife world. And you can go to like uh, some guys who might not even know who Bob Bob Loveless is or Skagel or you know even even more Seth knives or or something like that. And uh, that is a good point. The fact that like some of those are you know a uh, uh, loss among the times. You know, people might not know who Gil Hibben is, but he invented the Rambo knife. You know. And uh, a Lyle, you know, still helped to invent the Rambo knife. And, you know, there, there's this wonderful thing that now we're in a saga where the people are starting to pay attention to it more, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Top five greatest knife makers. Ooh. Um, I have personal ones, and then I have the ones that, like, everybody would probably go to. Go, go with it. Top ten, but your, your five my, personal. My five favorite personals there is, um, uh, let's see, LT Wright. Um, Charles May, uh, who's not really um, known recently, but he was uh, uh, a really, really, really crisp designer. Um, Vox, uh, Jesper Voxenes. He has some really, really interesting designs with multiple companies, too. And he's a knife maker as well. Um, and he hmm. did some of their early work on powder steel, saying, hey, you can make these into choppers and things, too. And um, honestly, Laren, he's not a knife maker, but Laren Thomas, because there's so many new things in the in the metal world that um, I'm learning through his book and that's really like helped me understand a lot more of, of areas where you know I'm not so good at because I just like to go cut stuff is metallurgy and learning a lot more about that so definitely those are like my top five big ones but not just the only ones because I love all knives mm -hmm. too, for sure yep. how about you Bryce um, yeah, I really like Michael Walker's work, A.G. Russell too. Um, I really like the A.G. Russell brand in general. I get to yeah. spend time, a lot of time with them and uh, I really like their, um, they're very focused and there's no BS. It's just, yeah. this is logical and they're, and they're really back to the fundamentals of what makes a knife hmm. very functional. So I really appreciate A.G. Russell's stuff. I'll, I'll jump on Jesper as well. Mm -hmm. Huge fan. I just got my first, uh, giant mouse. Oh, cool. He was doing yeah. like a, he was running around at all the Filson stores across the country. And so I got to go see him. Oh, cool. He's another cool guy to talk to, but I love yeah. his kind of like Scandinavian simplicity. It's mm -hmm. all very beautiful, uh, smooth lines and utilitarian. Yeah. But he puts these like big, he does like his own spin where he puts these big holes in them yeah. sometimes and stuff and that you know i think he had a background as a cartoonist or something like <laughs> that back in the day and you can almost see that if you look at it hard with, with uh, some of the designs of his that are just just really cool and different for a knife there's only so much you can do you know to a knife blade and to, to be able to do something refreshing is really neat that's a hard, that's a tough part is to break away from the mold and ken's yeah. another great one about that like ken obviously is going to be in my list here too but he thinks mm -hmm. about like he almost puts like movie plots together that's to kind yeah. of come up with his knife and sort of get the juices flowing yeah i like love hearing those things that you know when he pulled me aside at blade show at the pit at like two in the morning and we were talking and i'm like how he told me about that setup and i've started to adapt that for some of my stories and it's really uh, uh really inspired me to come up with some really cool neat designs like uh um for example, there's one with artisan cutlery, 
called the Reckhart. And it's if Horace Kephart and Rex Applegate, who's like a, a, the guy who did the killer get killed knife fighting, mm-hmm. and then uh, one of the founders of Great Smoky Mountains, Horace Kephart, you know, woods and camping and all that, were hanging out. And I was like, man, what if they hung out and sketched a, a knife on a napkin at a, <laughs> at, a, at a bar or a restaurant or something? And that's how, like, I put both of those designs together. But that really um, came, mm-hmm. like, from Ken Onion, you know, saying, hey, make a story first and then form the knife afterwards. And I really liked that aspect. Mm-hmm. It really helped me, you know, expand even more into the knife design um, mentality i guess yeah that's great bryce when are you gonna have you ever designed a knife no i have not um i'm trying to even think where i would start with that i've kind of like you start dabbling in the idea of doing it yeah i feel like i'm going to design something that's already out there (laughs) well that's i mean no matter what you are it's going to be a a pointy edge with the handily holdy thing right (laughs) right right yeah that's pretty cool, you know. And then that's a, that I like the designers that kind of think outside the box. You know, mm-hmm. personally, in our our kind of stable of designers, T.J. Schwartz is another. Yeah. one. He really, he came from automotive design. Yeah, absolutely. So he really thinks outside the box and using like his overlanding skills, mm-hmm. he blends those together in such a seamless way. T.J.'s might be coming on my jungle trip this year. Oh, dude. yeah, and such a cool dude. Yeah, I can't wait to talk I to him. I can learn how to actually AutoCAD correctly. That'd be <laughs> nice too. <laughs> I love his little shop too. He's got two CNC machines and a, a beautiful efficiency with his own production. It, yeah, he's a really hmm. interesting character and. We're so lucky to get to work with him. Yeah, and, and he's just really nice to talk to, too. Man. Real cool guy. Great discussions. So how is it to be a nice knife designer, Joe? Um, like, how do you do it? Maybe what's your process? You think about knives way too much. <laughs> you look about <laughs> knives all the time, and then you start thinking of them at nighttime, and then you think about, okay, how would this function differently? Is that a whole different design, or am I just trying to fix this design a little bit more? So, um, And also, like, that's just for, like, a design you know, aspect of um, going out and using stuff and and seeing, okay, you know, uh, Alberto or somebody is using a knife this way. It'd be much cooler if we raised a toil here or did something like that. Alberto is who? uh, He's a Yukuna guide. Um, on down in um, South America. And, you know, watching people who are better than me at using knives teaches me uh, a lot too. And then, you know, not being afraid to, like, push boundaries of knives and stuff to get Mm -hmm. out of the box because you can get into a a rut designing really easily, I think. Um, And I, I... I haven't been able to stop. It's almost like uh, addictive, you know, designing, especially when I get better at, you know, using some of the computer software and stuff. Man, if I ever got one of those 3D printers and really spent the time, it'd be crazy. Um, but uh, uh, I bet you people are keeping me away from that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's just one person's, you know, aspect of knife design. And knife designing, you know, as a whole, there's so many different ways to put a spin on, on something that's been pol- part of our human story forever. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the inspiring things about it, too. It's like it never gets old to get new ideas. At least for right. me, I never get tired of getting new ideas. It's like one second I have like half I have a notebook with me. Go, oh, OK, this thing in 14C28N instead of this is going to be really right. cool for a dive knife or something. It's kind of like the general idea is it cuts things. Right. It's kind of like when you're painting, mm-hmm. you've got paint and you've got a canvas. That's it. Right? It's your painting, yeah. And and for like me personally, I've started to get back into using different mediums to 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 do it. So I've I've actually started painting a knife um, recently, just so I could get away from you know trying to change a curve on the computer. Just mm. and really mm-hmm. fun because then it was a knife design that turned out to be put in the log, and you could have this like whole story behind it. And then I had to put it back on a computer to get the actual measurements. But it's just a canvas. That's what knife design is—a piece of steel. When you're grinding it, it's just a canvas that you can work on. Could anybody design a knife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, can anybody design a pretty one? That's also, uh, uh, <laughs> can anybody design a functional one? That always goes crazy. Right, and you right. kind of have, you know, the various balances you want to get with any, any knife design too. But I'm not like necessarily like a great knife. The people I would talk to with those type of questions are Ken Onion <laughs> and stuff because they can really tell you like decades of designing, you mm -hmm. know, know-how. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a friend of mine, Joe, who's actually been on the, on the podcast and has done some videos with me. He's gotten big into knife making. Mm -hmm. So last year, he got a, one of those little forges and everything. Yeah. And we started working with some 1095. And so I finally, like, made a knife start to finish, you know, kind of, like, working it and coming up with, like, this. It's a cool little puku. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's really interesting, like heat treating it in your oven. You yeah. <laughs> I, see, I'm not a great... Ovens work better than... Toaster ovens, toaster ovens. Yeah, I, I kind of ruined the toaster heat ovens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you get the warped up, you know, blades all over uh, the place too. Yeah. And you know, for for me, for for designing, it's just a lot of backyard modding. You yeah. know, going crazy. I got um, with with the condor because I was always modding my machetes and stuff like a madman on the grinder. And sometimes you can form a whole new knife just by you know taking. Just what what is modding? Just tell modifying. Okay, modifying okay, a yeah. knife. You know, just by taking a handle and putting what the ergonomics you like on it more, and it can almost become a whole new knife design that way. Yep. And you know, doing knives from start to scratch though, it's so. Um, uh, I try. I do it, but I try and stay away from it. Otherwise, that's all I'm going to start doing. Mm -hmm. It'd be going that like I can already see myself going down the rabbit hole at like three o'clock in the morning on the grinder going, ah, OK, I better stop now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. It's become so much more accessible to actually yeah. do knives with, like, you know, YouTube, could teach you anything you want to learn and the forge and fire effect and all those. Oh, things. gosh. Yeah. And what was that? What's that new knife knife print? Um, knife print 2.0 just came out. It's an AutoCAD friendly program where you put the knife design in there and then they send it to them and they water jet cut it and bring <sighs> you the blade back. So cool. And yeah, they really? have templates on there too so <laughs> that people can learn how to modify a knife and then make their own from like a, a normal, uh, you know, rudimentary bushcraft, you know, design or something. It's neat. That's really cool. I mean, even like the price of CNC machines have been coming down. Yeah. And like you said, the 3D printers, I've dabbled with that. And I'd love to see everybody online, how they customize our knives. Mm -hmm. A lot of our oh knives man, are so affordable. Yeah. And they'll go out there and do amazing things. Like the Polar from Jesper is one of, probably mm -hmm. our most modified knife out there. Yeah. People do all custom scales. You can 3D print backspacers. You can do all sorts of cool stuff. And I think that's, I think that's kind of the future, the way that the knife industry is going that into customization. You said that. It's, they said uh, uh, one of the predictions, um, I think David C. Anderson yeah. uh, said, was uh, <laughs> there's going to be um, more more people paying attention to modifications on things. Even just like at uh, Blade Show, there was a guy oh. with the uh, Swiss Army knife. Uh, si of course, I bought like three of them, like Micarta to go on the Swiss Army knives yeah. and titanium. Hmm. It's awesome. I love the custom sacks out there. They do yeah. so many cool things. You can put so many cool tools on there now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just, I just got into that industry. It's so much. It's such a... Huge, another, another people, thing to get into, yeah, right? People, You're going to have sack parts all over, uh, Swiss Army knife parts all over your uh, your, your workshop then, too. I For do. Cool. I already do. Yeah. <laughs> really cool. So I, I'm not familiar with that. So people have just started to make various different parts that you would add to your Swiss Army knife or yeah. handles or whatever. Okay. It's really cool to go see the different projects. Kind of like try the, to make uh, a spider the AR of one. knives or something. Right? Totally. Okay. Or you make one that's TSA friendly or, mm -hmm. you know, all the ah, different themes. Okay. You put a different scale on there instead yeah. of like the plastic scales, throw some micarta on it. But you can really customize the tools for you and what you need in your everyday cutting experience. Yeah. That's really cool. Or make them glow in the dark, oh. which is also super cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in, in so like this whole 
seen people, you know, it used to have its, there was like that one guy who would take, you know, a Swiss army knife, for instance, apart, like back in the day. And now everybody's like, this is how to do it in three minutes. <laughs> and, you know, there would be what, like the Benchmade, Griptilian, like there was like a little group of guys who would make their own little um, micarta handles of that. But now it's like for a whole bunch of different models everywhere. It's awesome. I'm all about it. It's there's, cool. there's modders. Yeah. The future is modding. Yeah. I think so. I agree. Nice. So how many knives didn't didn't you hit like a historical monument kind of benchmark as far as how many knives yeah. you designed uh, in a I year? <laughs> finally <laughs> counted. His, what, what it took. Um, yeah, and so I, I got up to, but you know, designing for Condor uh, was a little bit different. I started from the very beginning, you know, and they had me as just one of the main designers there. So they let me have mm-hmm. like uh, five to ten designs out a year, and that's that's not normal. I got blessed being able to do that. But now I'm like over 150. Uh, 200 now, but Polo from Tops Knives has got me beat, by the way. I just okay. found that out for sure. He's wow. got like 500. <laughs> wow. And then Ken Onion, God knows how many well, he that's has. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm trying to just think, who's the most prolific? Who's got the most designs? I, I don't know that we could ever figure that out. No, it, yeah, it's just, <laughs> and I, I only just like was looking at it because I was able to move the Excel sheet around. You know, Polo's been doing it since like the uh, early 2000s and stuff too. And then Ken Onion. I mean, just imagine how many he has. Oh, dude. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So we have a knife sitting on the table. Who wants to pick it up and talk I about do. it? I love <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> so, um, so describe it for our listeners. Okay, Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna describe it in like a. a well, you can't do ASMR style, but <laughs> like for the for the podcast, we have a very elongated handle with a large choil at the end, following into what one would assume is a flat um, uh, tip on the end, but is actually sharpened, kind of like. Um, did Graham do the Rosels? Yep. Okay, kind of like the Rosel folder, like a razor-looking folder, but now on an elongated handle for uh, chopping very well. That's about as far as I can go. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> how, so how long is it? It's a. It's got a pretty, a pretty long, big handle. So yeah. It's like eight inches of micarta, guys, um, but uh, thinner. Um, with a uh, like a four inch or three and a half inch long, two inch wide blade. It kind of looks like um, what you would do if you'd. Um, put edges and make it more pointy to a, uh, I don't know what that looks like. I mean, I was going to say shovel, but now I'm like, no, it doesn't no, look like a shovel, it, Joe. It looks like a, uh, it's, it's a, like a meat cleaver almost. Yeah. Like a mini meat cleaver. Yeah. But, but more lo- elegant. Yeah. It's like. With a really long handle that swoops down. So you would be able to wrap your index finger around it and get a nice wrist chopping action. Yeah. It's a, it's a compact lever, but you can still choke up and do. Uh, fine, fine mm-hmm. work with it. And we you say compact cleaver, but it's like mostly handle, guys. So you can really choke up on the back and get more of an extended so use what is on it. So what is it called? It's the Nax. And you were spot on. It was a, a John Graham cool. creation. So Excellent. that's based on kind of our razel pattern, which was uh, CRK, CRKT historians will remember. Yeah, I like have one. Razel. 
you might know the SS7, which was the yeah, the stainless like the steel long, one. Yeah, yeah, it was like a machete style. It was, it was sharpened on three edges. It had serrations on oh, the back. I, no, I was thinking of a different a one. Bottle yeah. opener on the bottom and a glass breaker. So it's just like yeah, I, I, it's such a cool tool. I always lusted after one of those. There's a guy down in the the warehouse who had one. And I couldn't get it off. Oh but, man, uh, but this is totally like the razor is a completely squared off pattern. Yeah, it's completely squared off a sharpened front, and this one kind of kicks that front slightly back to give you a little bit of an angle. There's a little bit of belly that runs along the front. Usually it's almost like a full flat Warncliffe style blade, but this one's got mm -hmm. a little belly mm -hmm. towards the front. Um, all 1075 steel, kind of hammer finished. Um, yeah, I think we kind of partnered up with you guys to do this. Yeah, too. I didn't know if we were allowed to talk to that. Yeah, we can. You guys got a, a podcast. Uh, yes, <laughs> sometimes companies will have other companies um, you, uh, utilize them to, to make stuff, and that's very common throughout every mm -hmm. everywhere. Right, right. Um, and, and of course, so it's called OEM, right? Yeah, OEM. So what's, that's a, it. what's it stand for? Original equipment manufacturing, yeah. right? Yep. Okay, good. Finally got it. Because sometimes so, in the car they say something different, but I can't remember what. Condor does a really good job of, I just call it primitive. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. more of that primitive. Yeah, absolutely. Know, unfinished, but finished on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more, you know, utilitarian style. And that's because mm -hmm. they've been making machetes since the 1960s, but even their like $8 machetes have a lifetime warranty on them. Wow. And it's because people really dwell upon a machete culture there it's glorious everybody has a machete it's a agricultural tool it's not a weapon you know day-to-day -day stuff but they're making a lot of different agricultural tools that are able to take a huge beating and that's why 1075 is uh, a great steel of choice for a large chopper like this so difference between 1075 and 1095 because people are really familiar with 1095 um Amount of carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, amount of carbon. That's it. So what does that do for a knife? Uh, more carbon. You're going to add more carbides. It's going to be a little bit tougher on the uh, top end. It's kind of a balance. We use a lot of 1055 and 1075 for more harder to use stuff. A lot mm -hmm. of our axes are 1055. Um, it's just a really good balance. I'm glad it's taken a while for like the American market to get used to carbon steel. I think the, the idea of rusting really still bothers people. Yeah. I, I get that. And uh, like Mora was kind of one of the early ones that got me into it. And I really appreciate a good carbon steel and how it works. It holds a great edge. It's easy to sharpen. It's just good all around. And I think it's a perfect kind of uh, partnership for this one. And it's got a little bit of a coating on there, but it'll still, it'll kind of show its age. And Yeah, it'll still patina and, and be its own. <laughs> I remember getting my first Mora and then going out and getting oranges and sticking in there to yeah. pour some patina on it. That was so much fun. Mm -hmm. That knife is still near and dear to my heart, too. <laughs> my, mine was mustard. I oh, always yeah. tried to do like, like tiger stripes. stripe mustard in, in <laughs> yes. things. So guys, when uh, you can modify your own carbon steel knives if they don't have a coating on them with um, oxidation from some sorts of acids or, or things like vinegar, mustard, and, and stuff at home. And you know, that's kind of one of the cool things that you can see is like, it's not a shiny piece of gear anymore. It's like mm -hmm. got, got a story behind it. And as long as you take care of it, you know, just a, a small amount of oil, maybe um, most of the time. And it's fine. Everybody thinks it's going to fall apart rusting and it doesn't. Everyone takes care of their cast iron pans. Yeah. Just what, take what that crud? logic and apply it to your carbon steel knives. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Oh, Very good thing, point. Really? Just don't yeah. heat it up, you know. It's yeah. Not yeah just <laughs> so when you force a patina, like you can use... Uh, Lemons or, or yeah. onions or, or that whole process actually, uh, it's a chemical mm. process that yeah. actually adds a measure of protection to mm -hmm. the knife, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, in, in most cases, it can be a, a measure of protection, um, but also sometimes, you know, depending on what you use, sometimes stuff will cling to it a little bit more if it's a sticky type of etch or things like that. Mm -hmm. You don't see that too much around here, though. Yeah. We did a video. Actually, I was talking about my friend Joe. Um, not this Joe, but my buddy who we've been making some knives and he worked with us a little bit. I said, Hey, just find a video you want to do. So 
he did this. He did one of those like all you all you see is his hands, and he patinaed a, a Mora knife. Oh, cool! A bunch of different ways, and it went vi- it, like semi-viral. I think it has like 1.6 million views right now oh, on, cool. our, on Ultimate Survival Tips. But the problem was <laughs> he did it. He did it in uh, what's the Apple Apple cider? No, no, the Apple no the Apple program that you get that is the stock video editing program. After Effects. No, Illumination, the other something one. like that. Yeah, whatever that, whatever that one. Anyway, they have soundtracks built in there. And the, the number one, people were like, love this video, hate the music. He got one of those loops <laughs> oh, that, that loops gosh, like yeah. every 15 Garage seconds. Band? Yeah, oh, GarageBand. Uh, is GarageBand? That's what I'm, I'm, I'm a dedicated I'm an Android left. user. Yeah. Oh, okay, me too. Yeah, Good. Yeah, yeah. It's not Final Cut. It's the other one. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the other what? thing. Wow, we're all striking out. So, <laughs> and so, so y- like, you, you Apple users can can tell I'm us totally in the comments. Yelling at us <laughs> <laughs> right now. But but he did that, and it, it's it's a cool video, except for the, the music. except for the soundtrack. Well, you should just do beatboxing thing in the background and have a soundtrack of you just doing the remix version. Oh, there yeah, you go. That'd yeah, be perfect. There you go. Actually, I think we could I think we could change the audio track on that. There now you on go. YouTube. Yeah, we should do that. Okay, so here's a question. Mm-hmm. We were actually before we do that. We were talking about rust. We went over a couple of knives in the Condor booth today, mm-hmm. and uh, you like you like rust, right? Yeah, ish. But I just like I what I like is not shiny gear. Honestly, <laughs> I actually we're started an in, I haven't done anything with it yet, but I uh, uh, got an Instagram account where I want to dedicate it to the stories behind pieces of equipment that are really really patinaed and used up and and things and and. With the with the rust, you know, it's just a barrier for for more rust in some in some instances because if you're the way I mean that is if you're using it, the rust goes away. Mm-hmm. Like for machete, of course, I'm thinking machetes because I'm warped. <laughs> right. So, what do people do if they get 1075, 1055, 1095? What's the best way to protect their gear and like how often? How do they do that? Ballastol is like a really good go-to. You know, material to take, but any type of oil, like I movie, like I movie, it's I movie, I movie. God, okay. um, sorry, I movie. it was it was killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so obvious. So, so I movie will get your your knives rusty too. No, um, and any any type of oil or work every once in a while, and and getting the rust off. You know, um, I mean, there's a uh, I'll save that method for YouTube so nobody ganks it. But um, <laughs> there there's a bushcraft method too. But like using a rust eraser and and stuff along along that line. But any have you ever um, used flits? Pardon? Flits. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. I've heard about it. I just yeah. don't have any yet. Yeah, it works pretty good. I really like flits. You can even use some of their products to put it on, and it'll help uh, keep, like, tape and stuff from sticking to it. It helps oh, keep cool. it kind of, like, I think that's another thing that might be the future of having, like, a kind of a light ceramic layer or something that you yeah, put on right, oil. Right, right, yeah. It just kind of doesn't make things stick to it. That was, uh, I like that product. Like, flits makes a yeah, great like, so, like, uh, What's that graphite stuff? If that it just leaves like a silicon coating on yeah. it. Yeah, they have a done, silicone went, polish yeah. that they gave to us. And we were trying that out, and it nice. was it was just going through tape and not leaving the tape lines like normal. Wow. I think there's kind of uh, I think there's huh. something there's some potential there that I don't think has been yet realized. Ooh, you could be the first one to do that. <sighs> there it is. We'll save that for the YouTube video. Yeah, that's a, that's a patent <laughs> thing. You guys didn't hear that. Here. Edit that out. But you know the it's just it's just use of of a tool, and you know stainless steel is kind of a new thing. We've been using metal t- uh, carbon steel tools most of. Most of the time, we've had thumbs, so. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we had thumbs before steel, but still. <laughs> side, side rant. But anyway, so, you, I mean, you have a primitive knife made by uh, um, Imakasa Condor. Yep. Um, and you, do you see rust problems with that ever? 
no, they actually have a some sort of a coating. Yeah. I don't know what the coating is, but we have not really had a problem. Our leather sheath, you don't want to have your have it sitting in a leather sheath that's soaked. Right, right. right. It's kind of just common sense. Take mm-hmm. your knife out, dry it off. Uh, mineral oil, whatever, just wipe it. Yeah, you know, any, uh, any oil, right? Food grade mineral oil is awesome too because you can Olive use that oil. like while you're, sure. you know, around watermelon stuff too. Yeah, that works very well. Well, I'm just thinking cutting watermelon or something yep. with a knife. But um, yeah, food grade mineral oil is fantastic too. But sometimes you got some of these oils attract ants, so you want to be <laughs> careful with that. <laughs> it's not that common, but it'll happen. I didn't do this on purpose, but I feel like I, I'm gonna ask. We have yeah. another knife on the table. Ooh. What do you guys think of that? That is, uh, that's your MSK. I've oh, seen this guy before. One. That's the wrong one. Oh. Well, you can talk about that one. Yeah, I, see, I saw that down it? in the jungle. That's There's the other one. one. Point down the center line. That's good. I like that. That's the pack one. Awesome. You got a point down the center line clip point with a flat, or with a, oh man, I can't do it this quickly. I've been shot showed out. <laughs> it's a point, it's a point down the center line, secondary bevel. Um, flat grind with a black coating and a dark patinaed micarta handle. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tops. They do the really oh, okay. they do the really nice uh, beeswax. They do the beeswax infusion in the in the handles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. You, go. you got your uh, your bow drill. Bow drill scoop right there. Same you as the MSK one. The removable bolts. And the and you were telling me you could you yeah. got a little storage underneath the handles yeah, as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. cool. You can get in there. The little store. wazoo gear in there and yeah, stuff. The little, yeah, the little gear goes in there. Yeah, it's really cool. Like in our own line, it reminds us a lot when we back uh, we worked with we were lucky enough to work with Karen Hood back in the day. Oh, oh Karen, okay. I love Karen. Okay. I mean, I used yeah. to get Ron's uh, videos on VHS. Oh yeah, I used yeah. To yeah. Hand them back and forth. He was oh, the, like, the original survivalist to me. Big time, dude. I was good friends with Ron. But this handle reminds me so much of the Karen Hood chopper, which I got yeah. before it went at discontinued, oh, okay. and I okay. really like it. It's a, it's such a cool product. Tops makes such a cool product in general too, and mm-hmm. and uh, this reminds me a lot. Of the handle yeah. it's really comfortable. They were a natural for the MSK one. I mean, we had two other manufacturers before we landed there. I didn't know they were going to even be interested. Oh, and I tell you to contact them. I yeah, think? you and were kind of encouraging me, and then uh, of course I've known Leo and Craig for yeah. a long time just yeah. through doing the YouTube videos and reviewing their gear. And we sat down with them at SHOT Show, which, guys, we are at SHOT Show. That's why right we have these two yahoos sitting, actually Man, sitting here. We, dude, it was an escape room getting up here, guys. <laughs> it was an escape room. Yeah, like we're in a small little yellow room that looks like it was taken out of uh, uh, Belton Abbey or something. And uh, uh, that's where we're at now. But we've escaped a sea of, of, of patches and, and, and uh, black rifle coffee smells and everywhere. Tactical backpacks. Yeah. And, yeah. Good. Okay. Next question. Anything else on the knives? Well, what kind of sheath are you coming out with it with that guy? Uh, is the sheath here? I've got the sheath. So the sheath, I'm actually wearing. Let me see that. Oh, there we go. Yeah. He's so taking actu- his pants off right now in the pocket. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's got a he's got a big leather sheath on there. It actually fits really well in the MSK1 primitive sheath. Oh, cool. Yeah, it actually fits perfect. So I'm carrying it in that, that sheath. That looks great. So it was designed for the primitive. Uh, it was designed for a Kydex sheath, but it fits really well in the primitive. Oh, here it is. This is the stock sheath, but we did a drop leg carry too, so it okay. normally has a clip on it. Yep. And who's this little guy? That's the MSK1 MSK Mini. Yep. Cool. Actually, we're working with... Uh, Working with Condor on getting us a primitive version of that. Ooh, primitive mini. Yeah. Well, cool. Next question. Yeah. 
Bryce and I were talking about this a little bit before. What is bushcraft, Joe? Since you're, the, it's bushcraft part of global? the name of your. No, what is bushcraft? Oh, what is bushcraft? Yes. Um, you get a bunch of guys fighting on YouTube and the internet about the definition of those <laughs> things. It's <laughs> and freaking and hilarious. In a bunch but, of podcasts. Uh, yeah. It, if um, if people if I had to be defining bushcraft, it'd be the use of the environment around you to make yourself more comfortable uh, through tools and through knowledge. Okay. So that I would like be that. one thing. And, and, and um, Tim Smith had this thing, um, a really cool – you guys can look it up on YouTube. Tim Smith was one of the original bushcraft schools before the word bushcraft was cool, <laughs> like in the 90s. And he said you have primitive skills, you have survival, and you have camping, and all of that together in the middle is kind of bushcraft, where, where all of that stuff kind of becomes this amalgam of all of this together. Because you have, you know, flint nappers. And, of course, now the bushcraft guys are spoon carvers. And, uh, uh, you know, the survival guys are, uh, um, well, I don't know what, you know, just depending on what, because they're doing both of that stuff, but making traps, too. So it's kind of like, you know, do, doing all that stuff. Because, like, when we're backpacking, we're not using a knife much except to open up the, um, you know, the mountain house and things like that. But now people are going, hey, I'm not going to bring... Um, depending on where their environment is and if they're in a national forest where they can do this or somewhere. Hey, I'm not even going to bring tent stakes now. I'm going to whittle my own out of, you know, dead dead tree or dead logs and things. And that's where knife use is becoming more and more popular, I think. Nice. Rant off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was just saying that bushcraft, I mean, it's as simple as using a knife while you're camping. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. In a, it's The knife helps you survive better. The knife helps you be more comfortable. The knife helps you intrinsically, you know, just... Feel more, uh, feel more responsible for having hands and making stuff that you know that you can make, which is funny because I'm a horrible carver. Um, but, you know, it gives you a little bit more self-confidence uh, when, yeah. when you have a knife on you. Hey, I can do some more stuff with this. Joe, since you're like kind of like a primitive historian, like what was first, the wheel or the knife? Uh, the cutting edge <laughs> gave us the edge <laughs> over all other living creatures. We did not get to where we are today with wheels, with internet, with Cold fusion or whatever just came out recently um, and all that by chewing on bones. We had an edge, and that edge, this is uh, actually like a, a quote from Steve Watts, my uh, uh, mentor. The edge, the knife edge gave us the edge over all other living critters to be able to do stuff. With the knife, we were able to make fire. With the knife, we were able to process food. We were able to use protection more, and, 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 and we were able to uh, uh, get into places where we weren't able to get into, like for animals and th stuff like that, or harvest or make other tools with it. So that's that's my thing. Oh, that's cool. So knife. The wheel was Thumbs help too. Yeah, thumbs. The thumbs really help too. <laughs> I like thumbs. They're great. I still have all mine somehow. So give it time. So Bryce, you're into ultralight backpacking, right? Sure. Yeah. Cuban yeah. fiber. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to talk about some ultralight Cuban backpacking. Yeah. Fiber. So, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talk about ultralight back backpacking. Like, yeah. Do you carry knives there? I mean, they're pretty heavy, aren't they? Not he really. <laughs> Honestly, like it, the knife is, it's funny An ultralight backpacking, the knife is kind of just for little use yeah. cases. It's not, it's not that and like, I don't carry mountain house anymore, right. you know? So I'm carrying all prepackaged meals that I've made. Mm -hmm. So a knife for my case is really just opening or like cutting, th like almost like an emergency case. So, yeah, yeah. And also I actually would much prefer to have a small pair of scissors. That's mm -hmm. really more functional to me for cutting out moleskin. Yeah. And stuff like oh, that. Gosh, yeah. 
But um, I mean, I probably end up going too knife heavy. That's kind of just. Uh, That's what we do. I mean, I, when I go out there, right, fifty pounds right. of machetes every time. I know. Sometimes like I do the mental math. Three pounds of gear, you know, fifty pounds of machetes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I don't have that much of a machete, growing up on the West Coast, machetes aren't super useful to us. We're much more axe based. Ah, uh, yes. We have a lot more trees and a lot harder. Un- stuff until you start through. using a machete more, I, 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 I say that. To. But the, um, I mean, it's 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 really interesting because like that same deal for backpacking. You know, you're uh, my biggest thing for using a knife is spreading peanut butter on yep. crackers and, and things along that line it's fixing just, equipment yeah this is fun though also like backpacking introduces you to so much other things too mm-hmm. like the exotic uses of titanium are always yeah. fascinating if you can make something you can always make it out of titanium and just a quarter ounce lighter or something yeah. like that and I, I love all the gear just in general gear kind of a gear dough in general i love all that I love flashlights and knives and all that so getting into it and like talking about yeah cuban fiber yeah moving up from like a going from a ripstop nylon going to cuban fiber which doesn't absorb water yeah is such a huge jump in technology man that's that uh that that um one tarp that i had down at uh the trip that you were on it's made by um uh jacks or better no it's not jacks or better it's um uh z-pack yeah, uh, it's really stuff. got, and it's like a third, it's now like a 12 year old Cuban fiber. It's not crinkly anymore. It's, it's very like a uh, flowy. It's really weird. And <laughs> now I'm going to get another one made. That's even longer. Cause I have more stuff being a bushcrafter to bring out in the woods that I need to cover. <laughs> it's rad. It's amazing how lightweight you can get a tent nowadays. Oh man. So Cuban fiber, well, it's like the sailcloth, it's, right? It's exactly. That's where yeah. I came from my racing sails. And hmm. this, this ultralight stuff that's uh, even Matt Graham has a backpack made out of it that he loves to backpack with. But they make backpacks, um, ponchos, tarps, uh, sometimes even hammocks and, and definitely tents and things to have all these ultralight super space super material. Is that like a brand out. name? Cuban fiber? No, no. It's a is it? I think it's I think it is a brand name, but it's a style of fiber too. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. it's a, I think it's a, it's Dyneema based, I believe. Yeah, it is Dyneema based. So Dyneema is right, fascinating. Yeah. I got I learned about that spearfishing using it on yeah. the reel, and I got like some. It was actually it was arbor quality, so it was for arborists to throw a little sack over it to get oh, the cool. lines going. Yeah, yeah. But I had to line that up on my uh, spearfishing reel. Oh, and cool. It is such tough stuff. I still carry a little little pouch of it around all the time. Yeah. Because it is it's got like a six hundred pound breaking strength, and it's tiny. It's the stuff that they make. Um, um, the blue. Correct me if I'm wrong, the blue steel, I think, is made from Dyneema. But the stuff that hmm. they put on wenches for some of the lines that are non-cable when they want not uh, for, like, wenches on a Jeep, hmm. yep. you know, they'll make it out of out of uh, Dyneema and other stuff, too. Even fishing lines starting to see that stuff. Yeah, yeah, big so, so the characteristics are it's light and it's super strong. Super duper strong, okay. yeah. And it doesn't huh. absorb water, which is huge. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're if you're in rain long enough and ripstop nylon, it's going to get through. It's going to start getting through the seams. It's going to, even if you've done a good job taping off all your seams, it's going to mm-hmm. be a problem. So this is just, it, not only is it lighter and stronger, it's also just better with the weather. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really cool stuff. And it wears like nails. People don't believe it, but it wears like nails. Really? Yeah. It, I mean, it's not like a camp, it's not like cotton duck canvas. But, um, you know, like there should be tears in my tarp to, of um, uh, fatigue tears in the little spots where the grommets are mm-hmm. um, from flapping in the breeze. And, and they don't have those fatigue tears. There's no uh, there's probably technical terms for the textiles here, but there's no um, no string of the threads coming out and like pulling like a long, gross little fiber. <laughs> so you're you just talked about tech. Now, when we went to the jungle, mm-hmm. the guys down there. They hardly packed anything. Yeah, and yeah. they made everything mostly out of stuff in the environment. Yeah, that's talk about that. Much more that and the like ultralight. Yeah, that I mean that's the ultralight backpack. Uh, I mean ultralight uh, style where they've been doing it all their life. And I like, mean Alberto that. was making everything out of 
wherever he was. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing an ultralight um, uh, thing. I think we're gonna call it jungle jungle predator, where you just have a. Um, we might not even have a tarp. We're just gonna have a mosquito net because you're gonna make your own hammock out there. Oh, nice. um, we might make your own tarp. The only thing I'm a little bit apprehensive about is that it takes forever mm. to do your own foliage style uh, clearing out stuff. And if we're in this certain park, I want to do it in. It's gonna like knock over a whole bunch of trees just to make one part. But yeah, they go down there and they're able to weave all of these different shelters from nature down there. And I the so paracord is all over the trees because totally it's the vines. I want to make one of the backpacks like he can make. Oh man, yeah, Those they're incredible. And then when he's done, you can just throw it out there because it'll biodegrade. <laughs> so it's very, very green. So when are you going to do that trip? Are you still working on dates? Um, no, well, it's going to be somewhat private because there's a couple of uh, professional um, special force type guys who want to do something like that. Um, and it's so it's coming up. Gorn just needs to stop... Uh, uh, my would, partner would down any friends that you really like be able to squeeze into a trip yeah like that? but that's gonna be uh it's gonna be you're gonna have to be really like i'm gonna be running three miles a day beforehand because i want to be able to cover lots of ground because we're gonna be foraging for all sorts of things out there and some of the things we nice. might have to chase after nice <laughs> nice for a while but um anyway it's ultralight you know it's ultralight, it's, yeah. when you when you when you carry ultralight stuff you carry more stuff in your head right rather than in there except just for talk, the coffee just thing. talk about that yeah. talk I, about that like mindsets I got skills, one tactics rant, and gear kind I, of thing. When I'm going, when I'm doing like the measuring people everything, people want to start with gear all the time, right? Yeah. Why do they want to start with gear? Because it's cool and it's well, easy. You just pay. Yeah. For it. You, you just like, pay for it. Now it's you pay for it. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then what happens? Then they have it. Then they have it. Yeah. And then I have like ten thousand knives. Then after, <laughs> after a while, does it give people a false tenths. sense of security? It can. It can. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, it's every uh, axes, for instance. It's like. Everybody's got uh, Amer this is like an American rant. It's not Americans God given right to be able to use an axe like right off the bat. Just pick it up and be able to use that because we've had such a rich history in uh, uh, forestry. And, you know, we have all these different patterns and beautiful styles of axes, but people still don't know how to split right. But they bought the splitter online, you know, but then they end up hurting their back or, or, or missing it entirely and going into the ground mm -hmm. and screwing mm -hmm. up their new axe. And it's just because people can have a false sense of security of, of learning stuff. But then they can go on YouTube now and learn some of these skill sets from some of the designers, some of the um, uh, people who are out there influencing some of the ways this stuff is being used, too. Where that's a elongated thing. And for the ultralight stuff, I can't do. I must carry coffee with me. I can't do the the um, the no-dose. The pills. No, yeah, not, that's no fun. I, I want coffee in the morning. The emotional side of a warm cup of coffee. Right, it's like, yeah. It's the first thing you do. Oh, you get the jet yeah, boil yeah. going or whatever yep. stove you yeah. got. Yeah, so there's like hardcore ultralighters who won't even bring stuff to cook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they'll just go by and just the water is the most important thing. And then poof, 50 miles a day, let's do it on the AT. Oh, dude, yeah. That's crazy. That's Couscous crazy. in a Talenti jar. Yes, you know? yes. People are really into that now, the no-cook style. I still you like know, a nice warm meal at least right. once a day. You know, whatever happened to backpacking the Pepsi can stoves? Why oh, are those dude, so popular anymore? such a huge phase Me of too. making those. I loved it. I would... I got really good. I got pretty decent at making yeah. those things. The problem for me, I had to fill mine with fiberglass because if you mm -hmm. don't do that and they spill over, you basically just got yeah, a huge big old pile fire. of smelly stuff. But I like, I still use like Esbit stoves. Yeah, Esbit's great. Absolutely, it's, kind of, it's always going away. I really enjoy that. But sometimes can you it still can get be the fuel for that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. I literally like those tags. I keep them in my emergency pack. Yeah. General, yeah. They're great. Once those start going, mm -hmm. they're not stopping. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I do like can stoves. That's a great fun project. Everyone should go try to do that. It's super simple, mm -hmm. really cheap, and really satisfying when you get that thing going. And it's and it's kind of a cool little piece of It's basically of a rocket stove, right? Exactly. Like yeah, but a, you make it out of a Pepsi can. Soda can yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's a challenge where you can do it out of one can and a pocket knife out in the field that's really fun, too. Yeah. Made by Alan Halkin. 
Um, and, and the other stuff, I used uh, perlite in mine too. Okay. The P, uh, PDF, no, not Pedialyte, perlite. Yeah. Um, th that stuff really was absorptive for the, the um, uh, what was it called? The uh, rubbing alcohol. No, what alcohol is it? Heat. They use like heat sometimes. That's yeah. Like that pure. But I'll just use denatured alcohol. Yeah, denatured. That's it. Yeah, I knew there yeah. was a word for it. I couldn't think of it right now. I got like three gallons of it at my house. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, last question for you. The, like, what's your weight? What, what do you try to hit for your, your whole oh, kit? That's a great question. The technical definition for ultralight is 15 pound base weight. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hovering around. I might be, I'm, I'm around there depending on how like a cushion I'm going to have, like how good of yeah. a time, you know? So you go over 15, you're just not ultralight. That's anymore. not, that's technical. I, technical. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. You should start working towards that way, but you should always be comfortable. I think that's one thing too, as I've gotten older, I don't to go with like no. the foam mats anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I'll have something that's inflatable, but those have grown so much too. You know, you've got the newer styles they are not like the Thermarest kind of self-inflating mm -hmm. foam but they fully inflate them and they're very comfortable very small very lightweight dude i love my x-ped that comes with its own yeah. lung basically so <laughs> it fills yeah. it up the whole time I, my, yeah. I just got a climate finally climates are great climates yeah. are great it's I a lot them. it's a lot smaller than the x-ped i love x-ped yeah i do too i think it's brilliant but I cut like half the weight out with the climate. Climate's and it was too. long and wide too. It's a long and wide. I love their design too because climates kind of cradle you. And that's yeah. one thing like yeah, when yeah. you're sitting on a thermorest, you're sliding all over the yeah. place. It's kind of awkward. But that one kind of keeps you into the position, which I really enjoy. I, nice. I love my climate. It's a great product. So what's the lightest you've gone for like a three-day ultralight pack? I've, got, I've been down to 15 pounds. So okay. I've been cool. under that. Um, if you just go to like a really basic tarp tent, I did a lot of hiking in the eastern Sierras where the weather is almost always favorable. Mm -hmm. Very little water. <laughs> it's very warm. So you don't even need a tarp um we'll oh, yeah. carry one between two guys and uh you can really get the weight down and going mm -hmm. no cook really helps too yeah yeah you just gotta start making it and that's and that's what it is you know maybe you did buy that expensive piece of gear at the beginning but it's a start of a journey right and as you exactly. learn about it you learn about how to mm. cut that out and you learn how little you need yeah because once yeah. you get back from a trip lay everything out and be like i didn't use that yeah, didn't use that, that didn't use that mm -hmm. but you get it's like a safety thing a lot of yeah. people yep. bring a lot of stuff that makes them feel safe yeah and you don't need that i i I, you know, I haven't done any ultralight backpacking forever just because I'm always bringing knives to promote <laughs> or I'm bringing crap tons of video equipment because I want to, you know, film some cool stuff. And it's like I miss like actually I stopped writing for a while because I miss always having to go out into the woods and bring another piece of equipment that I have to review. And I'm like, no, I just want to use this one for two weeks and really get to know it mm -hmm. and, and stuff, too. So I miss ultralight backpack. I'm going to get back into it now. Again. Yeah. Guys, this has been really fun. Cool. Before we head out of here, you want to leave? Our listeners with any thoughts? Where did they find out about you, Bryce? Yeah, yeah. How'd they find me? Or yeah. These guys? No, yeah. you. Oh. We know how to find him. They're oh. already there. <laughs> yeah, you guys yeah. can find me, crkt.com. Cool. Um, anywhere, Instagram, um, and on YouTube. I get They're letting me do some of the videos now. Nice. All nice. right. So Send some people your way. Yeah. Try to crack jokes, but uh, it's just a lot of fun. I like sharing knives with everybody. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Come say, hey, I'm always at the Blade Shows. Cool. NRA Shows, SHOT Show. So always nice. Joe, how about you? Uh, bushcraftglobal.com. Yes, I will update my website, guys. I'm too busy playing outside. <laughs> um, Condor tool knife, uh, tops knives. Um, Artisan has some new stuff coming out, too. And, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, bushcraftglobal.com. Yeah. At some point, I'll be better at promoting myself. And we didn't I know you told me that, but... Yeah. Uh, you're doing good. It'll work. We didn't even get the beekeeping today. No. Do, we'll do that. We'll yeah. Do that. When you need something, a Hail Mary out of your back pocket, we can kill an hour <laughs> about bee stuff. Uh, we can tell you what the worst places to get stung, times when we were able to get the pheromones, the alarm pheromone. Oh, yeah. That's a whole another fun story. I had access to the synthetic version that made bees really ticked off um, and was able to play with that. Nice. Well, guys, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. All Thank you.
All right, my friends, before we head out of here, don't forget to check out the new Pack One Knife over at our mothership, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. While you're there, you can grab the show notes for this podcast, grab a ton of free training content, jump into our survival masterclass, and subscribe to my free weekly survival EMAG newsletter for survival and preparedness tips, new gear announcements, gear reviews, and subscriber-only giveaways and discounts. All right, I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Until then, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.